Welcome to episode 65 of FRT, the IEF podcast on the intersection of finance, regulation and technology. I'm Brad Carr, once again working from my home in the Washington DC area, this time with a guest on the phone only across the river rather than across the world. Rob Morgan of the American Bankers Association joins us from across the river in DC. Rob is the Vice President of Emerging Technologies, leading the FinTech Strategy and Policy Team at the ABA, and he's going to talk about some of the investments that the ABA has been making, in particular to help enable some of the smaller US banks to access new innovations for their business. Rob, welcome to FRT, and thank you for joining us. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me. Sorry uh, it's not in person, but hopefully uh, soon we can get together in person. Well, hopefully we'll be able to get back and watch our Washington Capitals together over a beer at Capital One Arena sometime, but uh, right now that looks a little way off. Yeah, I don't think uh, hockey's coming back anytime soon, but hopefully everyone's staying safe and, uh, and healthy. Indeed. And I should preface for our listeners that we've pre-recorded this, so please don't judge us if the observations we're making now in early April perhaps seem a little bit dated later in the month, especially given how quickly things have been changing. But Rob, it's been a time of major upheaval and adjustment, adaptation for a lot of people, uh, particularly the the adaptation to working from home. I think we've found, and from what we've heard from a lot of the banks, the technology is working well for that. But there's, I guess, a human side in adapting to working in those new means. How have you found the adjustment working from home? Uh, the adjustment's been good from our perspective. Uh, ABA's moved fully remote a few weeks ago, and uh, you know it's sort of business as normal as much as it can be in these times. Uh, but yeah, certainly a lot of learning new tech for everyone, both uh, both from ourselves and others we work with. But uh, all seems to be working well, and certainly accelerating that digital transformation. Yeah, absolutely. There's been some great memes about uh, looking back. Who will we say was the biggest driver of, of digital transformation? Was it your CEO, your CFO, or was it COVID-19? And I think that question is going to answer itself. <laughs> so, so, Rob, let's firstly just start by talking about the ABA. Um, I think some of our listeners will be familiar with the ABA, but, but just to clarify, um, obviously yourselves there and we at the IF have some overlapping, but in some ways different memberships. Uh, at the IIF, we have a global remit, a global membership base that extends across a lot of the major banks and also into the insurers and asset manager pension fund space, for instance. Uh, in the ABA, as I understand it, you have a, a much broader representation within the United States that you're covering everyone from the, the big banks right down to the small community banks. Just wondering if you can tell us a little about that and about the key areas of focus in particular and the priorities of the ABA. Yeah, sure thing, Brad. And uh, like you said, I think, our, and as our name suggests, we definitely have more of a, a focus on the U.S. We cover the the entire banking ecosystem in the U.S., everyone from the largest money center banks down to the community banks with one branch, you know, about around 5,000 banks. Uh, and so, you know, our goal here is really to sort of make sure that those banks are re- well represented in, in D.C. and give them the tools to adapt to the changing policy and market environment as they as they move forward. So that's really the point I most wanted to drill into, how you're helping to give some of those firms the tools to adapt. Because I think one of the really interesting things, one of the really interesting developments we've seen in the last 18 months have been the series of some of the investments that the ABA has made directly in the fintech space. And I guess you know we've talked a lot about the critical role of partnerships between banks and fintechs. Uh, we talked on this uh, on FRT late last year that that was probably the number one theme we took out of the Singapore Fintech Festival. But in terms of how you're happy, you're uh, you're working to make that real for some of the smaller firms. It's been a, an interesting and newsworthy item, I think, where you've made these investments. And I was wondering if you can tell us, firstly, a little bit about the rationale, and perhaps in how this is hopefully enabling some of the smaller banks to 
get access to technology that their own in-house expertise or budgets might not necessarily allow them to. Yeah, thanks, Brad. And I think the, uh, so I guess I'll go into a little bit of detail on what, what my team does and where where we think we can help. I think about half of our time is spent on the policy front, um, sort of helping promote policies that support innovation, facilitate partnerships between banks and startups, and ensure consumers remain protected wherever they go for their financial services, sort of all of the really traditional policy functions you'd expect. Uh, the other half of what we're working on is essentially building out an innovation lab on behalf of the part of the banking industry that doesn't have the scale or expertise to do it themselves uh, and trying to give them access to the same sort of tools and resources that the largest banks use when, when they innovate. So from our perspective, what that means is first sort of laying a base of a strong set of strategy research, uh, helping banks identify where the opportunities are in terms of digitization. Um, then helping them understand who the companies are in the market that can help help them execute on that vision, uh, whether it's looking at the market broadly and figuring out who's even out there or helping identify some of the best in class partners. Um, and as you mentioned, even then, we've gone a step farther and made where we think it makes sense, made specific targeted investments that can help drive innovation for the industry as a well. whole. So happy to talk about some of those specific investments or go deeper on, on any of those. Well, yeah, I'd like to, to drill into some of those specific investments. There's a few that, that I've read about that, that stand out, um, being Summit Technology Group, uh, Finexact, Build Technologies, and also the Alloy Labs Strategic Partnership. So I'd like to sequentially perhaps step through and, and talk about each of those, um, although please feel free to steer me to, to others that may be more, more pertinent. But you, you um, well, I guess the first one that, that really got on my radar was that you made a direct investment in Summit Technology Group in September 2018, and and Summit Technology Group, I think, are probably all the more relevant right at the moment in times like this when we've we are all adapting to new ways of working. That was about cloud desktops and business continuity, if I understand correctly. Yeah, that's right. And so I'd say the first couple of investments we'll talk about are really about how do you build that strong base to innovate on, and what Summit does is provide the solution that helps banks transition to the cloud, providing that sort of robustness uh, in terms of business continuity uh, and adaptability to, to changing environments. I think as we look at the ecosystem generally, the cloud has been a huge enabler, uh, and it's something that across the, the finance and, and other ecosystems has allowed smaller companies to compete. And I think that's something that's that's been really important in, in this space. Uh, so we saw Summit as really an important piece of laying the groundwork for giving community banks that infrastructure that they can then add new innovative services on top of. And then you continued that with the uh, Finexact, if I'm saying that correctly, investment in January 2019 for core banking platform services? Yeah, so Finexact is a really interesting company. It's an innovative, open core banking platform. And uh, our goal with Finzact was really just to highlight that this is an area we think the core banking market needs to move more generally. It's something we hear time and time again uh, from our banks is the importance that their core provider plays in helping facilitate innovation. So, uh, you know, core providers really are the entire IT stack of many banks. And while some of the larger institutions typically build their own and own their own IT infrastructure, most of the smaller institutions, and you know, we're saying talking 95% of the banks in the U.S., uh, actually rely on one of usually three companies to provide their core banking services. And these companies are really critical partners in helping 
actually integrate any sort of consumer-facing innovation that a bank would want to offer. At the end of the day, these cores need to be on board for banks to be able to roll out these services. And, you know, let's be honest, I think the future of really banking, but any market is not having one technology provider. It's being able to plug and play and bring in best of class solutions from across the ecosystem. Uh, you talked earlier about the importance of partnerships and the ability of banks to work with fintechs and do so in a nimble manner. Uh, one thing we were really excited about about FinZact is that open model that makes it easier to plug and play and bring new best of class solutions in uh, and to be able to quickly adapt as banks' business models change with the market. So we might just pause our, th- our train of thought for a moment there, Rob, because I do want to carry on and talk about those those other examples I mentioned. But but let's pick up and drill in a bit more into that point you made about partnerships. And, and one of the things that was really striking to us, we did a recent report together with Deloitte on the barriers to digital transformation. Um, admittedly, in this context, with the IAF focusing more on a lot of the bigger firms around the world. But we found that that two of the major challenges in being able to innovate that the likes of chief digital officers called out, one was that the fintechs weren't ready, that the fintechs in a lot of cases lacked scalability or weren't enterprise ready, weren't clear on what it was uh, necessary or expected in terms of being able to partner with a regulated institution. And to the other side of the same coin, quite often that they found their own institutions weren't ready to partner with a fintech. Uh, in terms of, I guess, the legacy of some of the uh, the historic uh, legal and risk and compliance requirements and, and cultures, and that that wasn't always sufficiently agile to be able to partner with the way that a fintech might operate. I'm interested in thoughts you have as to, to firstly whether that sentiment resonates on a on a broader, wider basis, and then secondly, perhaps when you apply it to this context with some of those smaller firms that have those dependencies on external providers, for instance, you know, whether that, that those same challenges emerge or whether there's a different nuance on them, perhaps? Yeah, no, I think that's a really important point. You know, these partnerships aren't always easy, but I think the, the difference in the fact that startups are coming at this from a very different perspective than banks is what makes these partnerships so valuable, right? Um, you know, in a startup, you want to be able to fail a thousand times to have that uh, the next one be a success and to find the use case that really resonates with customers. At the end of the day, I don't want my bank doing that, right? I don't want my bank failing a thousand times to be right on the, uh, the thousand and first. Uh, but the ability to bring those together when you've got startups who are able to iterate quickly to build out the best user experience, bring that into an institution whose strength is in risk management and compliance and in maintaining trusted relationships with their customers, and you're able to get the best of both worlds. So while it's not always an easy thing, I think it's a really important one, and we see a lot of opportunity there. I think there's a lot that can be done to help bridge that gap. We're working with a number of our startup partners to help make sure they understand what banks expect. When they walk into a bank, here are the regulations that they need to be prepared to comply with uh, and help make that easier. And then also working with banks. I know we're going to talk about uh, Alloy Labs in a minute, but that's uh, what, that's one area where we're trying to help our banks build processes around innovations and how they roll those out within their banks. Uh, but as you mentioned, I think there's maybe an additional hurdle when you're talking about community banks and some of these smaller financial institutions who often don't control their own destiny in terms of owning their technology stack. And the ability to quickly integrate these solutions is really important. And that's why we see sort of the future of an API-based core where you can easily plug and play 
instead of having to build one-off integrations every time you want to roll out a new product or service. Uh, let those community banks be more nimble and responsive to their communities and, and at the end of the day, innovate very quickly. Absolutely. So you referred there to, to Alloy Labs. So, so maybe let's go there next and the, the strategic partnership that the ABA has launched with Alloy Labs. Could you tell us a bit about that? So Alloy Labs plays a really important piece of the puzzle here in, in terms of bringing together like-minded banks, helping them evaluate and implement new innovations. And so what this does is brings these banks together who uh, share a common problem that they're trying to solve for, uh, helping solve for that scale problem, right? So you may have three or four smaller banks who all are trying to solve for the same problem, who can pool resources, share intelligence, and figure out the best way to move forward uh, together. And I think that's something that we've really seen resonate here, putting some processes around how do we think about innovation as an organization? Uh, how do we prepare our organization to work with some of these newer companies and to think differently and to be more agile. Um, so that's been a really uh, important program for helping our banks work effectively with some of those startups. And the other one that, that uh, I had on the radar that I wanted to ask you about was uh, about Built Technologies, um, who I understand have built a construction lending platform. Uh, and this was a relatively recent piece. I think it was in, in January that the investment was announced uh, that the ABA had invested in Canopy Ventures, um, new venture capital funds, and that uh, in particular one of these had this uh, uh, significant investment in this Built Technologies initiative as a platform for tracking construction loans through the uh, through the process. Um, what more can you uh, perhaps you illustrate either on that specific example or on the Canopy Ventures investment more broadly? Yeah, let me start with the canopy piece, because I think that's an, that's an important part of this. Um, so we are passive investors in a venture capital fund called Canopy. Um, the, the goal of the fund is to accelerate innovation in financial institutions and help incubate startups that are solving for the problems that banks have today. Uh, it's being run by former comptroller Gene Ludwig and Chip Mann of Live Oak Bank, uh, who's done a lot of really innovative things there as well. Uh, so, you know, what this allows us to do is really keep our finger on the pulse of the startup ecosystem, see what some of the newest companies are out there doing, and then also help bring the challenges that banks are facing to those startups. You know, our banks are the ones who most cleanly see the needs from a technology perspective. The more we can communicate that with the startups that are out there trying to make banking better, the more efficient we can be. So that's an important vehicle for that and gives us really keen insight into how the ecosystem is developing and where opportunities that we as banks may have missed are emerging. Um, and so, as you mentioned, you know, we as ABA haven't made a direct investment in Built, but, uh, but we do endorse their product. Uh, and Canopy has announced that investment that they made in Built, a really interesting company that is helping connect lenders and builders um, in construction lending, uh, sort of allowing them to connect in real time, making the process more efficient. I think it's a really good example of how startups in this space are taking what are often very traditional businesses. And when we think about fintech and innovation in banking, we're often not talking about fundamentally changing the products or services that are being offered. Uh, at the end of the day, we're still talking about taking deposits, making loans, facilitating payments, but the use factor is becoming very different. And the, the way that we're connecting people in is more efficient. And I think that's where we see a lot of these markets that are really traditionally analog 
as you bring new technology in and help digitize them, you can make them more efficient, more accessible for everyone. In terms of the, the mindset within some of the, the smaller banks, the community banks or the regional banks, you know, how do they approach the agenda of digitization in a, in a holistic fashion? And I asked that a bit with the context of uh, recently on FRT, I think it was episode 63 with, with Chris Skinner. And, and obviously, Chris was thinking more of terms of the experience of some of the bigger firms around the world where he had interviewed JP Morgan and DBS and ING and the like. But he made the observation that sometimes the leadership of a firm looks at a digital transformation agenda as um, just a new channel and perhaps adding on a new channel onto the existing business, whereas the others that he is obviously more impressed with See, look to digitization more as a fundamental in how you overhaul the business as a whole, reinvent the business and, uh, and, and stay relevant with the changing expectations of customers. If you look across the community banking and, and regional banking sectors, do you see some of those same sentiments both in, in each of those categories that, that Chris put? Yeah, no, I think there's, look, there are advantages and drawbacks to scale. And I think, you know, if you look at the large institutions, they have the resources to do this really well and to invest across the board in what it means for each one of their businesses. As you start looking at smaller institutions, they have to pick where they're going to be really successful, but they can also be more nimble and more quickly adapt their business model because they're not such large uh, ships to turn, right? And what we typically see is that startups really like partnering with community banks because they're able to move quickly and to think about their business differently. There are fewer layers of approval and management that are just necessary in, in a larger institution. So often the startups we work with are really excited about their community bank partnerships because of that ability to be agile and, uh, and to get CEO buy-in quickly and see how an individual technology can affect more than just a business line, but the entire business. It's a really important point. Yeah, I can see that. Um, we started by talking a bit about the context of the COVID-19 world that we're in and how we ourselves are adapting. Um, but I think if we look ahead to the post-COVID world, you know, I expect that what's currently occurring is ultimately going to be an accelerant for some trends and different expectations of banking services. I'll throw out a couple. I think it's going to be you know, accelerating the trend towards the cashless economy. Um, we've seen the rise of contactless payments as having a, a greater focus at the moment, as well as the broader growth of e-commerce throughout the economy, the way that Alibaba really emerged from the 2002 SARS crisis and uh, and where that may change the makeup of the economy and, and with it financial services. Interested in any thoughts you have in terms of the particular services that, that people want from their banks um, that you think we're going to see emerge out of this crisis and into the post-COVID world? Yeah, no, I think it's a really good question. And to be to be candid, I think you hit the nail on the head with just the sort of COVID serving as an accelerant, right? I think there are a lot of technologies that have been out there for some time, but the customers have been slow to adapt and to adopt because Often these aren't needed, right? If you, when you fall into a routine and you get used to using a service one way, uh, it's very hard to get people to change that. I think what we're seeing today is an unprecedented change in the way we all live our, our lives. And that's forced a lot of people to learn new ways to engage with uh, their bank and really with all of the services that they use. I mean, you know, if you would, would have asked two months ago how many people were comfortable having a Zoom meeting, I think the answer would be much fewer than, than there are today. 
right? And uh, the fact that everyone has become more familiar with these technologies will mean that they're more comfortable using them going forward. Um, but I often think that uh, the flip side of this, you know, everyone, uh, I think every time there's some sort of event that promotes digital adoption, everyone predicts the demise of the branch, right? And, uh, and I think sometimes those are overblown. We talk a lot about what's the future of branch banking. Um, to me, uh, even as digitization accelerates, banks become more convenient and more available in your pocket. I don't think branches are going away. And look at a company like Apple, who is about as digital, uh, digitally native a brand as, as there is. Uh, and when you think of Apple, you still think of those gleaming stores, right? So that physical presence is really critical in a business, particularly a business like banking, where trust is so important. Having that physical presence um, is really critical and having a place to go. You know, I may not go to a branch anymore when I need to deposit a check. I may now be comfortable with remote deposit capture as a customer, but it's still important to me to have a bank where I know I can go down the street and talk to a real person uh, if I have complex questions about you know, what type of product is best for me. In the same way, I may go down to an Apple store and ask an employee how many megs I need, you know, how much RAM I need in my computer. Uh, so I think the branching will still be really important, but we'll see increasing adoption of all of those various technologies that make life easier and make banks more accessible wherever you are. Yeah, I, I probably offer a slightly different perspective on that in that I, uh, I probably don't value the uh, the physical presence to quite the same extent that, that you do, Rob. But I think the that really uh, what's coming out of COVID is really going to mean that the work you're doing for those community banks is actually going to become even more important, I think. Uh, and that where we are going to see, as you said, customers that have got more comfortable with new ways of doing things that they haven't been exposed to before through Zoom and Skype and, and the like, but also in terms of, of how they deposit checks, where some of that stuff sticks, it, it may raise the bar in the technology expectations that people have of their bank. And for, for some of those banks that don't have the substantive resources and budgets themselves, it's, it's probably going to be initiatives like yours that are all the more crucial in helping them to, to keep pace and to adapt with that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, uh, you know, this is going to change how a lot of people think about innovation. And certainly our goal here is to help give our banks the resources to make sure that they're uh, meeting those demands and, uh, and really innovating and bringing their customers new great experiences. Well, Rob, thanks very much for joining us here on, on FRT. If I can just quickly highlight a couple of things that I thought really stood out from our discussion. I like the notion of the, the work that you're doing as the way you framed it as building out an innovation lab for those banks that, that don't have the resources themselves necessarily to do that. And the way that that links, I think, to the, the Alloy Labs example of, of pooling resources where there are some, some shared interest or shared aspirations amongst some, some common firms. Interested the point you made looking across the, the community banking sector that, that 95% of banks uh, rely on, on three companies really to, to provide the, the core banking platforms. Um, I probably shouldn't be surprised by that statistic in that it is a sector that has been dominated by particular firms, particular technology firms, but nevertheless, it is striking. I, I like the point you make how the smaller banks can perhaps adapt and adapt more quickly and, uh, and not be subject to some of the the larger legacies and the larger cultural issues perhaps that become more entrenched in a larger firm and how that's perhaps made it more conducive to to uh, co cooperating and partnering with a fintech firm. I thought that was a really interesting point. But also what really struck me was when you talked about the the notion of the failing experiments and, and how that's the challenge and that the venture capital world has tended to run off the basis of failing a thousand times, as I think you put it, before uh, coming up with the, the piece of gold. 
It reminded me a lot of a point that uh, Marius Jurgilis of the Lithuanian Central Bank made, um, a panel that we spoke on together at Singapore about 18 months ago. And Marius made the point from the, the supervisor's perspective of you know, the, the notion of fail and fail fast is not something that a supervisor is naturally disposed towards. And yet, if we're wanting banks to be able to innovate and move with the times, that's actually what we need. Um, it is a mindset shift and uh, and one that we need to collectively between the industry and our supervisors find ways that enable safe innovation. So, Rob, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing those insights. Yeah, Brad, thanks for having me. Hopefully we can uh, do it in person soon. I'm looking forward to that. And looking ahead on FRT, uh, David Hardoon will join us. Uh, David was the, the former Chief Data Officer and also the Special Advisor for Artificial Intelligence at the Monetary Authority of Singapore. He's just finished his commission there and he continues to be a leading thinker on the ethics and responsible use of data. We're going to talk about that in the context of COVID-19. We're also going to speak again with Peter Deans. Uh, Peter was the former Chief Risk Officer at Bank of Queensland and last spoke with us on FRT on episode 55 together with First Rand CRO Jaco Grobler. Uh, since then, Peter has developed and, and launched his 52 risks framework. You could say one risk for every week of the year. He's going to talk about how that framework can be applied both for the current pandemic scenario and also for the technology and digital challenges that we talked about in episode 55 at Risk Minds about data conduct risk and about digital transformation execution risk. And we're also going to continue with the IAF's digital transformation series with, with Deloitte. I alluded to our first report a little uh, earlier in our discussion today, but we'll also have our second paper out shortly and we'll talk more about that. Please join us again for those episodes. I'm Brad Carr and thanks for joining us on FRT.